This is an Equity Bates Media podcast. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Equity Mike. I will say this about investing. Everything you do learn is cumulative. What I learned at 20 is useful. Welcome to another episode of Equity Mates, a podcast where we help you learn to invest in 45 minutes or less. We break down the world of investing from beginning to dividend so that you can hopefully make some returns. My name is Bryce and as always, I'm joined by my equity buddy, Ren. How's it going, bro? I'm very good, Bryce. That's good. <laughs> <laughs> At this point, we are enjoying our Christmas break. We are, yes. And we are right now enjoying going deep on a few different stocks. We are. So this is part of our Christmas series where we've crowdsourced 10 stocks from our Equity Mates community and digging a bit deeper than we normally would in an episode. I've got to say, it seems our listeners love small caps with no profit. Yes. <laughs> and so I'm very glad we're uh, changing it up a little bit for this episode. We have been on a bit of a small cap run recently <laughs> yeah. with some of the interviews we've been doing. So that is true. Surprised. That is true. <laughs> so today's stock that we're going to be deep diving on and apologies for not recognizing the name of our listener who suggested this one, but it is Washington H. Sol Patterson and Co. Limited, ASX ticker SOL. The, the pharmacy. The pharmacy, yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, its roots are in pharmacy, Ren. Yes. So what we'll be doing is we'll have a bit of a look at the company. We'll go through some of the, the key facts, I guess, that define it and that we found interesting have a brief squiz at the financial summary and uh, perhaps a crack at its valuation. And then we'll close out. I have a question for you at the end, Ren, so remind me to ask it. (laughs) It's it's no curveball. We'll see how the episode goes. no no curveball. (laughs) Right. Well, what is SOL? If you want to check it out on Google or ASX as we go through this, then its ticker is SOL. And Ren, Sol Patterson is uh, an investment company founded i think it's been listed for about 110 years now so yeah listed 1903 yeah so what's that 116 quite a long time yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so it started out owning and operating australian pharmacies yeah i think a lot of people would be familiar with sole pattinson pharmacies yes the confusing thing is that Sol Pattinson's Pharmacies is actually owned by API, which I believe is Australian Pharmaceuticals Industries, also a listed company. And then Sol Pattinson, the company we're talking about today, only owns 19% 
of API. So <laughs> there's a complex shareholding there. Yes. But the important thing to take away right from the top is we're not talking about the chemist per se. No. Although they are exposed to pharmacies, which we'll get into. There is an element of that. We are talking about essentially a diversified holding company. Yes. So since the days of running pharmacies, they've now gone on to invest in portfolios around natural resources, building materials, telecom. I think they're a massive or a large shareholder of TPG. So retail, agriculture, investments and all sorts of different things. So yeah, to your point, Ren, they are now a diversified uh almost a listed investment company, really. I mean, the the best analogy you can probably think of is a company like Berkshire Hathaway, Warren yeah. Buffett's company. It's it's probably not... It, it hasn't reached the illustrious heights and it probably doesn't have the same quality of companies, although some of them are pretty bloody good. Yeah. But it's that it's that concept. It's it's used as a holding vehicle for a whole bunch of other both public companies and then private companies as well. The most strange one that I found in its holdings is a uh, learn to swim company. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's got everything from coal mining to telecommunications to uh, teaching kids how to swim. There you go. That's obviously a market. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And is that teaching kids how to swim company listed as well? No. so that would be funny. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) I mean, there's a lot of of kids, (laughs) a lot of swimming pools out there. Maybe there's a business, uh, public business there. But no, it's it's a private company. So it's one of the private companies that Seoul Pattinson's owns. Right. Because Seoul also are major shareholders in a number of public companies that a lot of our listeners would be aware of. As I said, the 25% shareholders, uh, they own 25% of TPG Telecom, yep. which over the last few years has done really well. Yep. They own 50% of New Hope, yep. which With is an energy company. Big coal miner. Big coal miner, yeah. yeah. They own 43% of Brickworks, yes. which is uh, cement and bricks. Yeah. And then... Uh, also 8% of BKI Investment, Brickworks Investment, yeah, which your to, listeners, company. Yeah, to listeners who have been with us for a while, I also own a bit of BKI, not 8% worth. Yeah. Um, but a lot of their revenue is driven from dividends that they get from these companies. So if anyone's wondering, you know, how they actually make money on this without selling, that's one of the, re- one of the ways in which these companies, these holding companies make a lot of their revenue is uh, through the dividend payments. Anything from your end, Ren? So just on t- in terms of that list, what the companies that you just listed were the main ones that I had. There's two more that I think are quite relevant. One other minor, Round Oak, which it owns 100% of, which does a bit of gold and some rare earth metals. And then the last one is Australian Pharmaceutical Industries, which is publicly listed as well, ASX code API, and they own Sol Pattinson and also Priceline Pharmacies. So some retail, some mining, some manufacturing in terms of brickworks and some telecoms. Nice. Pretty diversified. Yeah, absolutely. So... How do you think it's uh, performing from a financial point of view, Reg? So I think when you start your research process and you read their annual report and some of their investor presentations, you start getting blown away by some of the numbers. Yeah. Uh, they they tell a good story. So over the past 15 years, the company has increased its dividend an average of 8.3% per year and delivered total shareholder return, which is the share price increase plus dividends of 13.9% per annum. 
which is great. That's outperformed the Australian All Ordinaries Index by 5.4% per annum in that 15-year period. So you'd be pretty happy with that. Another thing that they talk about is that $1,000 invested in the company 40 years ago, so in 1978, is now worth over half a million dollars. Solid returns. Solid (laughs) returns. I think as we get into the numbers and into the valuations a little bit further, there are potentially some red flags, but it's it seems pretty interesting to begin with. So, however, the last year to the 31st of July 2019, I think from what I can see was a year that they actually didn't beat the All Ordinaries Index. Total shareholder returned 6.5%, whereas the All Ords we know has been on fire 12.9%. So, Performance-wise, their portfolio is probably not matching the in- or isn't matching the index mm. of late. But yeah, to your point, 15-year return for shareholders, 11.6%. So pretty phenomenal stuff. From that portfolio value, they get revenue of about $1.6 billion and they earned a profit of $248 million. So pretty strong, you would say. Yes. One thing that confused me, I guess, Ren, when I first started looking t- into this is the sector. They're marked down as being in the energy sector. You would mm. think that they'd be in the diversified financials or probably that would be it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, they've got a lot of holdings in energy. I guess you got to put them somewhere. Rooted in pharmacies though. Yes. Strange. Yes. So I think as, you know, they've got, they've got a massive number of assets. They've got strong revenue. They've got strong earnings. But if we get into the valuation side of things, yeah. there's an argument to be made that potentially they, they are slightly overvalued at this point. Okay. And I think if you look at their actual growth rate of late, it probably hasn't been stellar. Their earnings per share last financial year was about the same as it was two years ago. And the money that they're deploying, so their return on equity isn't, isn't great. It's sort of high single digits, which is not really what you'd want to see. So if we start to talk about how you can value this company, given it's generating cash, we can do something like a discount cash flow. So if we start with its price to earnings, we can see that it is trading at about 21 times earnings, which probably isn't well out, out of line of the market. Obviously, if you're comparing it to other companies in your, in its sector, you don't want to compare it to other energy stocks per se. Well, the sector average I've got is 16.2. Okay. So yeah, to your point, a bit overpriced. If we move from price to earnings ratio to valuing the company specifically, and if people haven't listened to the valuation episode we did in early December, definitely go back and refresh it. One, because it's a good episode, but also because it's relevant here. So the first thing we spoke about was a discount cash flow. And this comes with all the usual caveats around the unreliability of this measure. You know, you start changing the assumptions and you can get really whatever number you want. But in saying that, you know, just for the point of doing the exercise, I guess. So I have the company's earnings per share without non-recurring items. So Without one-off bumps to profitability, I have it at a dollar and three cents. Is that what you got? Yes. So then, if we just plug in some basic assumptions, so for ten years it grows at those earnings at ten percent, which is probably generous given the last couple of years and some of the companies that it holds. You know, you wouldn't maybe wouldn't expect its coal mining business to grow at ten percent a year and stuff like that. 
But let's just say for the purposes of this exercise, then after that, it just grows at the rate of inflation. And we say the 10% discount rate. And if you remember back to our valuation episode, we spoke about how both Warren Buffett and Roger Montgomery say just use 10% as your discount rate. And if it's good enough for them, it's good enough for us. So for the purposes of this exercise, let's plug in those assumptions, put it in discount cash flow calculator online, and it spits out a number of $17.60. So you compare that to its current share price when we're recording this on the 7th of December of $21.78. It's a little bit overpriced. The flip side of the discount cash flow is if you use all those same assumptions that we used, the 10% discount rate and the earnings per share, you can do a reverse discount cash flow. And essentially what that's asking is based on the current share price and based on your discount rate, what growth is priced into the company? Like what growth does the company need to achieve to justify the share price that it's currently trading at? And if you do that, you get 13.03% which isn't unrealistic, but given its history, probably isn't. For what period of time? For the 10 years that you put in. 13% a year for for 10 10 years. years. Yeah. And your initial discounted cash flow, you plugged in 10% 10%. for 10 years and then it dropped to inflation growth. Yes, yes. And so this is saying keep inflation growth after the 10 years, keep the 10% discount rate and keep the starting point and then tell me what the current share price is assuming. So probably overpriced. Interesting. So I'll add some flavor to that, Ren. From a quantitative standpoint, which is, uh, well, let me let me go back. Morningstar release a, a quantitative report through Comsec on a number of the major stocks. Obviously, Sol Patterson is one of them. And they run their algorithms based on a few key metrics, to your point, around uh, revenue, operating income, cash flow, discount rate, that sort of stuff. But they also incorporate looking at things like economic moat and financial health of the company, something, you know, those sorts of metrics. Their latest one, which was the 6th of December, so run yesterday at the time of recording, they've actually come back and said that fair value from their point of view is $24.27. There you go. Yeah. So they're, they're saying at current price it's undervalued. Yeah. PE ratio against the sector suggests that it's overvalued. Okay. And the assumptions that we've put in here today also suggest there that it's go. overvalued. So it well, just goes to show uh, how confusing it can no be. No one has any idea. <laughs> Before we close out. Oh, I've got another valuation method. Okay. Awesome. I, I just want to, okay, well, we'll leave this for uh, another company just as a, an, an exercise. So can No, no, no. What is it? No, no, no. I just want to show the difference that to evaluation using a cash flow DCF when you just play with the numbers a uh, bit. Ah, yeah, nice. Okay. So let's do that in another episode. People are going to have to stay tuned. Yes. We won't say which episode. <laughs> <laughs> so the other valuation method we spoke about in the valuation episode was from Roger Montgomery's book, Value Able. I don't know what you'd label it, but essentially uh, as a quick refresher, you take the book value of the company and then you look at the returns that the company gets on its its 
equity, the, the money and the assets and everything it has that it owns. And then you essentially value the money that it will generate over time. And Roger Montgomery's book has some tables that you can basically look at and you say, all right, it's earning this return on equity. So you just multiply what it's earning by the number that it tells you to. Without going through all the numbers, it spit out a pretty low valuation extremely low $6.61 low (laughs) which is Uh, just so (laughs) far below the like the asset value of the company you know like if the book value is five and a half billion and its current market cap is like 5.2 billion you would say that taking 75% off the share price is is a little bit too much yeah but essentially the reason that it's coming out like that is because the company is earning such a low return on equity that putting your money there rather than putting your money in a company that's earning a consistently high return on equity on a relative basis because you know everything in investing is an opportunity cost if you're putting your money here you're not putting it elsewhere on a relative basis it appears to be not that good of investment to take your money and compound it over time and generate a really good long-term return how is 11.6% shareholder return over the last 15 years not good good return? In Roger Montgomery's book, a company that is take, is earning good money every year and is keeping it and is reinvesting it in the business is better than a company that's paying it out in dividends. Yeah. Last year, Washington Soul Pattinson's dividend payout ratio was 82%. Wow. And I think what you can see is because you see how its dividend payout ratio Uh, Its dividend number just is a consistent, unnatural trend up. Like there's obviously a lot of focus on every year incrementally growing that dividend. So it's like a perfect table going, you know, bottom left to top right. Well, their website clearly states our objective is to deliver superior returns to shareholders by a creating capital growth along with steadily increasing dividends yes so so i don't think that's great but then the other thing is why would you put your money with a company that earns a low return on equity valid point something that buffett often talks about yes that's yeah. his way of looking at it as well and i guess like when you when you strip back what we're talking about here away from these abstract numbers and into the companies that we're talking about i mean retail pharmacy is i'm sure it's an okay business but retail's tough yeah. um, and chemist warehouse is big that's a competitive industry to be in Coal mining, not that great, although yeah. they, they make some big points in their annual report around you know Southeast Asia and India continuing to demand coal, and they're selling thermal coal, which is coal for energy rather than the coal used in the production of steel, coking coal or whatever that is. Not a great business to be in. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, yeah, uh, TPG is not bad, but, you know, TPG are currently saying that they need to merge with Vodafone to stay competitive, so... There's a lot of headwinds, I guess. Maybe that sort of points to their reasons why they're getting a low return on equity. Nice. So I guess from what we've discovered, general feel is that it's probably below, it's worth a little bit below its current trading price, just from the assumptions that we've made. Yeah. So pretty interesting company. I hadn't, uh, I'm not invested in it. Are you invested in it, Ren? I'm not. Although Unless I am through it, an index if it's in the top yeah, 200. It's in yeah. the top 100. Top 100. So it would sure, be yeah. by virtue of being in yeah. an index. But uh, any fun facts to close it out? And then I'll ask uh, ask you uh, my standard oh, yeah. closing question. Yeah, yeah. Well, one, I guess, comparative. So we spoke about at the top that it's similar to Berkshire Hathaway and that it holds a bunch of diversified companies. And when I was doing that valuation exercise and seeing the low return on equity, 
I was curious what Berkshire's numbers looked like. And their return on equity numbers are pretty shocking as well. So potentially because of the structure of this company, using that valuation method isn't correct. And well, clearly it's not correct because the market and the answer that it spat out were so far apart. So potentially you'd better value valuing it, you know, based on its book value, because that incorporates like all of its shareholdings and stuff like that. I don't know how fun a fact that is, but I guess that's a grain of salt in terms of some of these valuation methods. Nice. Yeah. So to close out, where does this fall, do you think this company fall in your circle of competence? Thinking about all the companies that we're doing in this 10 10 episode, where do you think this falls in terms of, yeah, your circle of competence? Compared to some of the other companies in this 10, I mean, it's- Comparatively and then more generally. Okay. Comparatively more than, you know, some of the biotech ones we're talking about. Yeah. I think the retail stuff is bread and butter for us. We both work in big big box retail. A lot of the other stuff I think we can learn, like, you know, TPG, these coal mining companies. I, I would feel confident that if I gave myself enough time and did enough work that I would I would be able to probably understand those businesses. So yeah, I would say it's in the wheelhouse. Nice. You? From the point of view, well, Comparatively to some of the other ones that we've been doing, definitely in the warehouse. And I think in terms of understanding how Soul itself works as a holding company and generates revenue and that sort of stuff, absolutely. It's it's um, pretty straightforward. Uh, to your point, if you're going to go down and actually understand whether their investing strategy and what they're investing in is right, then yeah, probably need a bit more time to do so, but reasonably comfortable. Nice one. Right. Well, we'll leave it there, Ren. Always good to, to chat stocks, uh, enjoying this series that we're going through and uh, looking forward to the next one that we dive into. Thanks for listening to Equity Mates Investing Podcast, a production of Equity Mates Media. Please remember that everything you hear in Equity Mates Investing Podcast is general advice only. The content has been prepared without knowing your personal objectives, specific financial circumstances, or goals. The host of Equity Mates Investing Podcast may maintain positions in the companies discussed. Before considering any investment, please read the product disclosure statement and consider speaking to a licensed financial professional. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bolin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bolin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bolinbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.